Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include home builder activity, my interview with fellow millennial David Ring on considerations for selling his home before affordability pressures drive sale prices down, and what the Fed's most recent beige book says about economic growth. Today's podcast is presented by Candor. AI that puts your underwriting on autopilot. As the only autonomous intelligence in mortgage technology, only Candor's loan engineering system can make complex underwriting decisions with zero human assist. Candor automates both tasks and intellect. While you're working from home, how interesting can next Thursday's April 28th take your children to work day be? Work from home, or hybrid arrangements, is a continued concern for managers, and one of the informal topics currently in the hallways at the Great River Conference in Memphis is how the next generation of leaders can't learn how to run a company over Zoom. There are plenty of other things being discussed, such as the cost per loan, as measured by the MBA, increasing for six straight quarters, beginning in the third quarter of 2020. In the good news category, it appears that developers are building houses again. Residential home construction unexpectedly rose in March to the highest level seen since 2006, hitting an annualized rate of 1.79 million new homes. That also seems poised to rise as applications to build hit 1.87 million, which is a proxy for future construction. New house construction in single-family dwellings hit 1.2 million, well above pre-pandemic levels, and multifamily starts hit 593,000. This is likely a sign that builders who have held off to wait for lower prices on materials are beginning to start to work on their backlogs. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome onto the show a colleague of mine, David Ring, who bought a condo in Carlsbad, California in 2020 and is now weighing his options to sell before rising mortgage rates crimp homeowner affordability. As millennials contribute more and more to the U.S. mortgage market, It's important for lenders to understand their thoughts and rationale behind some of their decisions to purchase or sell homes. Between 2020 and now, the mortgage rates dropped. Did you refinance your condo? I did not refinance. Uh, I looked at it and it didn't make sense. um, So I did not do that. In terms of just monthly payment or what would have been like the process was too tedious or what were the factors that made you say no? Because millions of people refinanced in this last wave. Yeah, I actually got a good rate in 2020, so it would have put my break-even point past five years, and so like based on the average time a person lives in their house, it just didn't make sense in case I wanted to move. And you have told me, off the record, you're considering selling your house. That's strictly because of how much appreciation you want to realize it? What what are the thoughts behind a potentially selling? Pretty much. Um, you know, when I bought in 2020, I got it in a, a good price, and... Uh, it's definitely appreciated a lot in the last couple years. So the idea is to basically cash out while the market's hot um, and before rates rise too much. So um, that's those are my considerations right now. But obviously the next big question for me is where am I going to go? And that was actually the next question I was going to ask you. But before I ask you that, it's important to keep in mind that a lot of the buyers out there are still all cash buyers. And so even if mortgage rates rise, it's not necessarily going to severely limit the competition you've seen on your house. I think the competition would be more limited by people feeling that home values are due to drop with this talk of an impending recession due to the Federal Reserve raising rates. Well, let's get back to what you said. 
where would you go? Would you want to rent? Would you want to buy if you were to sell now? Is this why you, are you still considering selling currently? Still definitely considering it, but weighing, <clears throat> weighing different factors, like just taking a look at the market around me right now and, and the homes that are available um, for purchase. And uh, so considering that, and I do understand that there's lots of cash buyers and that this is like an investor heavy market, but like you said, you know, where am I going to go next? Uh, you know, I, I did get locked in at a good rate. So if I was to buy again and, and with some predictions looking like rates might go up to six, seven or eight, even percent in the next, you know, three years or so selling now and then buying again in, in two or three years, you know, um, locking in at a much higher rate. Um, that's a consideration. So if I was going to buy in again, um, it definitely adds hundreds of dollars to my payment. And then also, you know, with rents being so high right now too, I just don't want to sell and then end up in a, in a place that I like less because there's such low inventory. So on the, on the new purchase side or on the purchase side, you know, what can I afford in areas that I do want to look at? Um, even if I do cash out, I mean, you know, my place obviously isn't the only place that's appreciated in the area. So, um, I'd, I'd have to compete with all of the, um, buyers that are in the market right now too, with such a seller's advantage. And then again, with rents being so high, um, you know, I might end up breaking even with what I'm paying now, if I was going to rent out some other place, um, that's similar to mine. So lots of considerations, uh, you know, there's talks of a, a recession potentially. And, um, you know, if the, the housing prices do drop to below where they're even at, I mean, it's going to take a while cause they're still appreciating, um, so high. So, I mean, it's going to have to drop down to, you know, 15, 10, 5% in Southern California before it even goes negative. So it's kind of a tough decision kind of riding both lines, but at the moment I'm sort of leaning towards just hanging on to it and just, uh, hoping that the, that it continues to appreciate. Although I, I have been in talks to about or with a realtor on it. So, um, lots of things to consider. Did you have an idea when you bought the place of the return you were looking to get in terms of appreciation? Have you modeled this out at all? Or are you just hearing anecdotal evidence of, oh, the market's really hot. I, I should cash out. Are there actual quantitative considerations or thresholds or points that would make you act one way or another? Um, that's a good question. I mean, when I bought the place, there wasn't an idea of how much I wanted to, to pull from it in order to sell. Although, you know, as home prices keep appreciating, um, uh, you know, the amount that I'm looking at keeps going up and up and up and, um, you know, talking to a couple neighbors and a couple other people that are, um, you know, real estate savvy, you know, the, the general consensus seems to be that prices are going to have to come back down in order to support, you know, the people that live in the area. Um, also with some of the property values in Southern California, uh, you know, it just seems like there's a lot of people shaking their heads like this is ridiculous and, and people move into different states um, because of that. So, you know, we might see that, you know, with rising interest rates and everything, demand starts to begin to drop and, you know, which is definitely part of the factor in considering if I'm going to sell or not. But um, no, there wasn't any like bottom line that I was looking to get out of it. Uh, you know, I knew it was going to be a good investment, but it's definitely exceeded my expectations of where I thought it would go in the next couple years. And, you know, speaking of, I'm going to have to wait two years to, um, to avoid the capital gains if I don't roll it forward too. So, um, anyways, yeah, lots of, lots of stuff to consider, but I would say, you know, no, there wasn't like a bottom line of where I wanted to hit before I decided to cash out. And I think one other thing to consider that a lot of people don't think about is that when you sell a place, 6% goes straight to the listing and the buying agent. And so maybe you had 
20% appreciation to start with and boom, you stayed into 6% of the overall sale price. So it's not the actual value you bought it for versus the value you sold it for. There's tax considerations. I'm pretty real estate savvy. You want to ask me anything? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> Back in 2020, when you bought your place, it was your first real estate purchase of a primary residence. What do you wish you knew or what do you know now that you wish you knew going into that process or what did you learn from that process? Uh, it can be, it can be gut wrenching buying your first place. Um, you know, obviously it, it seems like on paper it could be pretty simple, but, um, lots of hoops to jump through. Obviously it's, uh, it's a move from the heart too. So, uh, uprooting yourself and then moving, um, it's definitely, uh, a big step. So I'm good. I'm glad to know that now. And it's, it's a contributing factor too in deciding to sell because of how, you know, stressful it can be and especially finding a new place again too. And for a lot of people, you know, who, who might be contingent that need to find a new place before they can sell theirs, especially in this market. If you want to live in Southern California, you're probably just not going to have that opportunity. Um, so yeah, so moving twice is, uh, just knowing how stressful it can be is, uh, is definitely, uh, can, worth considering and probably, a an area that I would like to avoid if possible. I agree. I'm getting kicked out of my apartment at the end of May because my roommate wants her boyfriend to move in. And I guess I want to ask you, when you were considering a lender to go with back in 2020, was it just purely rate? Did you have a pre-existing relationship? Was it referral? How did you decide what lender to go with? That's a good question, actually. The, uh, the, the person that was selling the place, um, he needed to, to sell it within like 15 or 20 days. And luckily, the realtor that I was working with was really tight with um, an LO and who could get that done within or in a 15-day escrow. So that was the primary factor for us. And it's probably uh, kind of a unique situation, just making sure that all the documentation um, could get done that quickly and knowing that uh, we had to compete with another cash offer when we did get the place. So, um, you know, that was my primary consideration. You know, I was happy with the rate that we got as well, but, um, that was definitely unique to our situation. And we won't name names or NMLS ID numbers because that sounds like a little bit of cronyism going on there. <laughs> well, thank you so much for making the time today. I really enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you, Robbie. Even amid more aggressive rate hike expectations over the rest of the year, Treasury signaled calming nerves over inflation yesterday. A $16 billion 20-year bond reopening was met with stellar demand, and the International Monetary Fund slashed its growth forecast by the most since the early months of the pandemic. Bond markets are moving toward pre-pandemic normality, evidenced by benchmark inflation-adjusted Treasury yields climbing above zero. The existing home sales report for March missed estimates decreasing 2.7% month-over-month in March to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 5.77 million versus expectations of 6.20 million. It was a disappointing report as February's figure was downwardly revised to 5.93 million from 6.02 million and total sales in March were down 4.5% from a year ago. The supply of available homes for sale remains extremely tight, but higher mortgage rates and higher inflation are hurting affordability and contributing to a slowdown in demand. Separately, The Fed's page book for April described the pace of economic expansion since mid-February as moderate. 
Manufacturing activity was solid, but supply chain backlogs continued, meaning prices will continue to rise strongly as producers are able to pass higher input costs onto consumers and hurting sales growth even with any acceleration in consumer spending. Today's economic calendar includes weekly jobless claims, Philadelphia Fed manufacturing for April, leading indicators for March, Freddie Mac's latest primary mortgage market survey after last week's 30-year rate rose 28 basis points to hit 5%, the Treasury auctioning off $20 billion in new five-year tips, and remarks from Fed Chair Powell and St. Louis Fed President Bullard following his hawkish comments earlier in the week. The desk will purchase up to $2 billion of conventional MBS across 15-year 2.5% and 3% and 30-year 3.5% and 4%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Last night I went into a bookstore to purchase a couple books on mathematics. The clerk said, okay, two math for dummies at $16.99 each. That'd be $50, please. Thanks again to this week's podcast sponsor, Candor, AI that puts your underwriting on autopilot. Candor automates both tasks and intellect. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.